Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Huai Chen Bui. I'm a USA Today contributor and a pop culture journalist in D.C. I am Anya Crittenton, an editor and writer for Entertainment Earth News. And I am Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. All right, so this week on our podcast, we are going to be talking all things superheroes. There was a lot of superhero news that came out this week, both Marvel and DC. And so today, we are going to be having the first part in our superhero discussion, and next week will be the second part. So you get the first two-parter of the Millennial Falcon. Yeah, because we have a lot to say about (laughs) Marvel and DC. Um, This is our first Marvel DC-centric podcast, but we've talked a lot about superheroes in the past, so I'm pretty sure you guys have figured out by now that we love superheroes. (laughs) We're big fans. Wait, Um, we do? (laughs) What? Wait, hold on. What's this weird, like... Captain America shield sweater I'm wearing. I don't understand. I have a lot of imagery from superheroes that I that, that just sort of came around. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. <laughs> so, to start us off, one of the biggest things that came out uh, this week that people have been talking about, and that has been kind of fueling the Marvel DC discussion, was the brand new Suicide Squad trailer. So, Suicide Squad is DC's upcoming film, comes out in August, and it's basically about a team of villains and anti-heroes that the government contracts that I feel like that word was wrong mm-hmm. contracts <laughs> um, to basically take down bigger bad guys mm-hmm. so we have people like Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Killer Croc and they kind of form a team mm-hmm. to take down bad guys yeah and, yeah, they're um, almost like an anti-Justice <clears throat> League sort of deal where they're instead of heroes they're villains mm-hmm. yeah so it so a lot of people drew the comparisons to Guardians of the Galaxy. It had Bohemian Rhapsody throughout the whole trailer. It was very quippy, very kind of cool, which people said very similar to Guardians. Um, what did you guys think of it? I was a big fan because I've been looking forward to Suicide Squad since we first saw um, the first trailer back in, I think, October. And I was really excited because one of the biggest strengths of the DC Universe are its villains like the rogues gallery is so much stronger than marvel which very know, true marvel's one weakness um with all of its movies and even some of its tv shows is its lack of a good villain except for loki except for loki and like that's the only one that really stands out you know um, uh, fisk i'm gonna argue fisk too okay fisk too <laughs> the, the, <laughs> like, recent like... t- the re- recent netflix shows have gotten some really good villains but like but they're the exception not the rule exactly um, but DC, like, their villains are iconic. There's a reason that, like, we know the Joker as well as Batman, or we know, you know, Miss Two-Face or even um, Lex Luthor, who's, like, a Superman villain, and he's not no- really known for his villains. Um, they are really strong and iconic and just kind of unique, um, and they kind of stand out in terms of, like, they're this twisted uh, version of, humanity and stuff so I was really pumped for the Suicide Squad trailer and I thought it was a really good sign of them finally welcoming back humor into their movies because you know there's kind of that rumor that they were um, not they had a no joke policy but Suicide Squad seemed to completely circumvent that and I was really excited about that Willoughby what did you think? I enjoyed it. I I liked it. I thought it was really well edited. Um, I've I've been more excited about Suicide Squad than I have been about Batman versus Superman: mm-hmm. colon, Dawn of of Justice. <laughs> um, I really thought that um, 
it was much more fun. It looked like DC wasn't taking itself super seriously with the Suicide trailer, the Suicide Squad trailer with um, Batman versus Superman. It's so tonally dark and so overwrought with angst and drama and edginess and operatic circumstances, whereas Suicide Squad is just like a bunch of cool villains just hanging out, having fun, killing people, mm-hmm. and you know, contracted by the government to take on. I don't even know if we know yet what their what their what their mission is, um, but we do know that the Joker is involved, but he's not a part of the team. Um, and I have a theory was, about their mission. Yeah, um, I have a theory. I I liked uh, the li- most of the lines. I thought sometimes the quippy nature of like uh, like Harley Quinn was a little bit too edgy, hot topicy. I think um, they could have hired a better jokes writer, honestly, for the sh- for the movie because it felt like, like some of them were written very immaturely. You're like, oh, that could have been written better. Like that line where she's like, oh, that's not what the voices are telling me or something like that. Mm. Like that that sounds like something that's going to be on like a Hot Topic t-shirt in about three months. Uh, <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So, that and, like, being I said, Margot on- Robbie rocks. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, she's great. Like her performance is great. I think that the lines could be better. I, I yeah. definitely see, like I, we've been making this joke since like they announced Suicide Squad, but like it's totally going to be Hot Topic's like comeback. With, <laughs> yep. With merchandise and clothing. I think that... You know, this is what do you just... mean they're comeback? They're like all about the geek stuff right now. Well, I mean, like it's like it's not as prevalent, maybe in it's just like my friend circle or whatever. But like, I don't see like I don't, maybe I just don't go to malls. But uh, it just I just feel like like the, that that culture is gonna make a weird comeback. Do you and mean like the some... Do you mean like the punk culture or like the like geek like the cult- weird geeky scene culture? Okay, because I get that. Because like, if you have you been to a Hot Topic recently? No, I've actually okay. never stepped foot in one. Hot Topic now is not what it was when it, it now it is basically Doctor Who, superheroes, hmm. video games, Disney, Sailor Moon, Harry Potter, pop vinyls. Oh, so it's like it's like an FYE. It's literally a geek store. <laughs> okay. Now, like they have like their pop punk in the very back, and it's like a corner. See, that's what I'm talking about. Is I think that this will be kind of like. The, re- the the renaissance of what we thought what what hot topic is as it, as it as it like as in our like the stereotypical hot topic yeah i mean it certainly feels like that mm-hmm. um, um, i think other, uh, otherwise i'm still i'm still very excited for it and i thought that this trailer was one of the most well edited trailers i've seen in a long time mm-hmm. yeah i think i was i'm probably i was probably the least excited out of the three of us um Mostly because I was just like, this sounds like not something I would want to watch. Like, villains are overrated, and I don't do I don't do gritty. Um, and then this trailer happened, <laughs> and now I am looking forward to this film in ways that I never thought I would be. Um, and part of it is what Willoughby was saying. I think it's one of the best edited trailers I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Every beat hit. I was very impressed. Um, yeah, the I use think, of Bohemian Rhapsody was was really excellent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard some people say that they should have used a different Queen song, but like, regardless of what song they used, they edited it very they edited it very well to the song, mm-hmm. yes, which I much. think worked so well. For me, 
But it's not so much the trailer that has gotten me a little excited now, so much as a quote that David Ayer, the director, said. Because um, my biggest thing with this trailer, with this movie, and why I'm just kind of like, Ugh, is because the Joker's in it. Mm-hmm. I'm not quiet about my hate of the Joker. I think he needs to go away. I think he's terrible. And I was so worried that this film was going to give us romanticized Harley Joker, even I, though he's nothing more than an abusive jerk to her. I have a question. Um, do you hate, like, this particular iteration of the Joker, or do you just hate the, the Joker as a character completely? Like, he's been written so differently so many different times, so it's just, like, the Joker in general that you hate? I never hate the performances that actors have given as the Joker. I mm-hmm. think Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger are brilliant. They're so brilliant. But I hate the culture surrounding mm. the Joker. I hate okay. that people I hate that people think he's cool mm. when he is an abusive jerk. And I'm so tired and like I'm so tired of the killing joke. I'm so tired of people thinking that Ugh. the killing joke is a good story. Even um, when it's Alan not. Moore like renounced the killing joke basically, didn't he? It's a terrible story. Like not only is it offensive, but it's yeah. terrible. It's so bad. It's the worst uh, uh, example of fridging in, like, DC Comics, in comics of recent years. It's so terrible. So I'm just tired of the Joker and the culture surrounding him because people still think he's cool. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if if, if he existed as this villain that people acknowledged as being abusive and horrible and, like, you know, like, didn't like him, like, think he was really fun and cool and hip, like, I'd be more okay with him but, like, at this point, it's oversaturation, and I'm just tired of this, this like, accepting of this kind of character. But David Ayer had a quote, and this is where my theory comes in. David Ayer had a quote that this movie for Harley Quinn is about breaking free of the Joker and becoming a self-realized, independent person. And so my theory is that the Suicide Squad is trying to take the Joker down. Mm. I think that the Joker might be the big bad of the villain of the movie and that it's Harley against him and she has broken free of him and she doesn't want to be with him anymore. And like, if that's the case, I am 100 million percent on board with this. Okay. So it would be one thing if, if he was like, like an ancillary character on the side of the suicide squad. But if, if he's a villain, if he's like a true villain, then you're more excited for that. I'm more okay with it because they're giving Harley agency in her relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Like, if he was just the villain just for the sake of being the villain again, it would I would be really tired because I've seen him so many times be the villain in movies, in Batman uh-huh. movies, in, like, these movies, and I'm like, there are other villains mm-hmm. that are really cool. But, like, the fact that Harley's part of this and she gets to break free of him is how I am like, all right, I think I can be okay with the Joker in this film. But we'll see if that actually happens. <laughs> Hopefully it does. David Ayer gives me a little bit of hope now. That's an interesting theory. Um, I actually don't know if that would be the case. Um, I actually would be, I think I'd be more interested if he was just kind of a wild card character who wasn't the main big bad, but was just kind of thrown in to mess things up for everyone and then just like act as an agent of chaos and then just kind of disappear again. But also let Harley have like her own redemption story because you know like you said I think he's been overused as like the main villain so many times that it would be more interesting if he wasn't the main villain for once um yeah but um I one thing I have to fear for this movie is Harley Quinn's treatment because um I'm a big fan of great 
the uh, oh, what's her story? The original story that was in Batman the animated series. Um, oh, she had Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, it was um, a form of it. Yeah, it, I forgot what the story was called, but it was a really excellent episode, which like introduced her origin. Um, she was originally a character who was started in Batman the animated series, and yes. she was given like this really tragic backstory in which. Um, she was, I guess, kind of spoilers for Suicide Squad, but it's very common knowledge now. But she was a psychiatrist for the Joker at Arkham Asylum, and she basically, you know, treated him, but then fell in love with him and was driven insane by her love slash, like, he escaped and got beaten up by um, Batman. So she uh, dons, like, the Harlequin costume <coughs> and helps him escape, and she kind of becomes, like, it becomes this really tragic, um, abusive relationship in which, you know, he will beat her up, essentially, and kind of abuse her, both emotionally and physically, and, but then he'll do, like, one nice thing for her, and she'll always come crawling back, and it's just, like, a really sad, like, uh, commentary on a lot of abusive relationships today, and that's why it resonated so well, Um, and one of the fears I have for Suicide Squad is that they will make it that she gets tortured into insanity which is like i think her new 52 backstory they're giving well there's a shot in the trailer they're, they are giving her the new 52 backstory I really they have, that, there's though. a shot of her in the vat of acid i know i mean i just like i really hope that doesn't happen because it really takes away the little agency that she has as like a character in her own story and just like yeah takes i mean away that's that agency yeah i mean i agree that's also my biggest fear is that like that taking away her agency but also and if they romanticize her in joker in yeah. any way like yeah. but then they also there's all this weird apparently this love triangle that's gonna happen between harley joker and deadshot i i actually am not surprised about that because i'm they, not surprised because she and deadshot have a relationship in the comics yeah but they do it's also like does this movie need one <laughs> yeah no i mean i will approach this movie with you know a grain of salt, like, a little bit of skepticism, but of the DC animated movies, it is the one I'm probably the most excited for. Um, other than, you know, the other one that was, uh, had shown some preview footage at the, um, DC special that aired on Tuesday. Real quick, before we get to other things. Yes. uh, The one last thing about the Suicide Squad trailer that I have a question about is I want to know if the trailer is actually reflective of the tone of the film. I I don't know that that it is. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know that the Bohemian Rhapsody fun, like, quippy thing is, like, the actual tone and, like, angle that the film is actually going to be when we see it. I almost wonder if this trailer is, like, just, like, a marketing creative technique. Well, I thought... That's what I A lot of people thought the same thing about Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, a lot of people were wondering if you know if this if that tone was going to be consistent in the movie and, and it ended up being it was. I have a good faith that it would that it will be the same tone because I feel like you uh, there's no, there's really unless they're trying to really hard to, to like make themselves di- distanced from Batman and Super Batman versus Superman. Um, otherwise, I feel like the tone itself is going to be the same as the movie, uh, as the movie trailer. Because, um, like, the first trailer thought. was wildly opposite to this trailer. That's so actually, there hasn't, that's there hasn't, been, con- there hasn't been consistency mm-hmm. 
in huh. whereas if you watch all the Guardians trailers, teasers, etc., they all have that same fun, quippy feeling. Mm-hmm. And Suicide Squad well, has been all over the place. That being said, I'm be. still eager for it. I'm just curious. I just feel like I don't know what the film is actually going to feel like yet. I feel like I I don't know. Yeah, I'm. That's true. I'm hoping that it will go for that kind of more lighthearted, quippy uh, feeling, even like that quippy edginess. Because I think, despite what uh, our reservations about you know the whole hot topic quality of the jokes and everything, I think it actually suits Suicide Squad more than it would say a Marvel film because you know they're villains, so they're going to be a little bit yeah. darker and a little bit more grim. Um, but yeah, I think I'm hoping that's the case because. Um, Judging from even like the cast and the directors' social, social social media and the kind of goings on behind the scenes, it seems more like a film that is along those lines and less of a serious thing. Like I think there was a cast photo of like the entire Batman v Superman cast and the um, Suicide Squad cast. Oh yeah, and, like, and the Suicide Squad cast was having fun. Yeah, and they all got like squad tattoos and they're just kind of like posing and stuff. <laughs> and all the Batman v Superman cast just seemed very confused and like in a. It's very serious high school senior <laughs> class picture, so I have hope for it because it seems like the cast of Suicide Squad is getting along and they really have fun. So I'm Except hoping that translates, Leto. yeah, to the movie itself. So I they're like the freaks and geeks of the DC universe, yeah, which I think is you know it suits them. It suits the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, do we want to talk about the other footage that was shown? Let's do. Yes. So the other footage that was shown was some clips of the upcoming Wonder Woman film. We had no dialogue from the film. I don't think any sort of, like, music from the film. It was just clips Mm -hmm. and overlapped by, like, Chris Pine talking about it, Patty Jenkins, Gal Gadot, Mm -hmm. Jeff Johns talking about the film. But we got some pretty good stuff in there, I think. Yeah. I'm really excited about Wonder Woman, too, especially after seeing these clips, because um, they're doing a period piece uh, set in World War One with... uh, uh, Wonder Woman, who is a Amazonian goddess slash princess from the uh, island of Themyscira, and she we don't of... know if she'll be a goddess. It oh, kind of yeah. depends on what origin. If they go New Fifty Two, she will be. If they don't go that, she won't be. Yeah, she's had various origins. So it could be either or. Um, but she, you know, goes into the world of men during the beginning or like in the midst of World War One. Steve Trevor is a World War One pilot fighting for you know America and. American way, um, and the period costumes look excellent, and I think that, despite, like, you know, it's still very in a dark color scheme, I am much more hopeful for, like, a lighter tone for this movie. That's my one thing, is I'm just like, can DC realize that they have other colors to pick from besides <laughs> blue and gray and green? Like, I'm like, okay, like, that whole, all that Wonder Woman footage was all so was dark, so and I was like, she literally lives on the island of paradise. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> I wonder what? if they're going to have that be a contrast where I hope where she so. lives is going to be like very bright and colorful, and then she goes into the world of men, and it's dark and bleak in World War One. That would make I sense. Hope that so could, that could be that could be the actual like what they're going for. We just we we just haven't seen the opposite side of that yet. There was one scene though when she was like in armor and on a horse, and it was when she was like riding with a bunch of other warriors, I think, and she was it was still like very gray. But you know, it's it's early. It's early um, development, anyways, and the movie I think is not going to come out till twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah. I just, col- I, I hope it changes. Mm-hmm. And color correcting isn't one of isn't one of the it's one of the last things you do. Yeah. So yeah, I just they've think... got plenty of time to like say, oh, maybe we should brighten things up a little. 
I hope so because I just I think they could take a lesson in coloring and realizing that brighter colors don't necessarily mean not cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think I think they are trying to distinguish themselves from the Marvel movies, which are very colorful and very candy colored at some points, and you know fun and quippy. But at the same time, they don't have to go completely dark all the time. Yeah. That being said, I really loved what everyone had to say about the Wonder Woman film Mm -hmm. in, like, that little, like, segment we got. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, Patty Jenkins, who's the director, which, by the way, the fact that they have a female director, A+. Mm -hmm. So important. Um, But she was saying how the greatest thing about Wonder Woman is that she's kind and generous and that doesn't negate at all from her strength as a warrior. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is so important for Wonder Woman, I feel. Like, she can kick your butt, but at the end of the day, like, she is a hero and a good guy. Yeah, she's compassionate. And she will always be... Yeah. Yeah. So important. Like, compassion is not weakness. Exactly. So So I'm glad they seem to get Wonder Woman. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Uh, yeah. Yeah. um, Will be anything else you want to add about Wonder Woman? Uh, I'm very excited for it. I'm like super excited for it um i really think that the setting of world war one is really interesting because it's almost like a weird like dc's version of captain america the first avenger Mm -hmm. but with like the genders flipped where instead of captain america we get wonder woman Mm -hmm. um because i know that wonder woman was a world war ii hero originally yeah um and it's interesting that they're that they're changing it to world war one but i like you said earlier, Wonder Woman's origins have been changed in the comics so many times before. Um, so it's really interesting to have, like, Chris Pine be almost like the Peggy Carter character. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. In, but because he's, like, he's like the supportive boyfriend uh, in, in, like, the Pitch Perfect movies or something. Yeah. I hope uh, she saves him multiple times. I hope he's the damsel in distress, yes. Same. Yeah, yes. I think I think it'd be really fun. Um, because, like, you think of Chris Pine, you think of, you know... He's a leading man, Captain Kirk hero. Um, but in this one, he's probably going to be, like, the guy who has to get saved all the time, which is a, a nice change of pace. Yeah. It'll be great. Um, yeah, and I'm excited for World War One too, because it's not really a era, an era that we see a lot in films. Like, World War Two has been done to death. And that might be why they're doing World War One because they want to differentiate themselves from Captain America. So, I, but I think it's a good, it's a good call either way. Yeah, and, yeah I, mean, I agree. The, the the implications of World War One are that you know that that's the first time that literally there's been a world war, and I think that that's why Diana, Princess Diana, if that's her name in the in the movie, you know, she goes from Themyscira to the world of man mm-hmm. to figure out why the world of man is fighting each other. That would make like, sense. Yeah. But b- before it's been just country versus country or like civil wars, but this is countries versus countries and nation states versus nation states mm-hmm. um it's a more morally and, ambiguous war too because there's no like real yeah. main villain which is yeah good. which i mean if the whole franz ferdinand assassination is what set it off um and there's a lot of everything behind that whereas world war Two, it's very clear you know what happened and why yes. it happened and mm-hmm. how it happened whereas world war one it's sort of like um, everyone just got caught fed up with everybody else, and yeah. they just started fighting each other. So pretty much, it's really it's and that's and that's the first time that that happened. So that it would be, it's it's almost more true to the point where she would be coming in at World War One instead of World War Two 
because why wouldn't she have been there in World War One? You know, mm-hmm. like if that if she came in at World War Two, she's like she would she would have missed an entire World War to help stop. Yeah. Although the whole the whole premise of this movie that they that they discuss that Jeff Johns was describing um, is apparently that the Amazons did stop helping humans, mm-hmm. and they decided mm-hmm. that they weren't worthy of protection anymore. And Diane decides that no, they still are, and so she comes to us, like from the island, yeah. island of paradise, to kind of prove that we're worth protecting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and I think, and that's what I was trying to say is that um, she wouldn't have missed out on World War One because that was like the biggest war to end all wars mm-hmm. until World War Two. Yeah. So yeah, if, she was, if she was going to come into any war, it should be World War One. Yeah. All right, so let's move on our discussion to talk about 2016 for Marvel and DC. Um, This will be the first time that the two, you know, big comic book companies are going to be coming to a head in the box office since, I think, 2008 with Dark Knight Rises? Oh, no, just Dark Knight and Iron Man. Well, I thought um, Iron Man 3 and Man of Steel came out in the same year. That's true. Um, They did. And we all know which one was far superior. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> so Marvel By the way, has, we're, we're talking about Iron Man 3. Yeah, of Just course. Just to clear everybody. So. <laughs> uh, I will defend Iron Man 3. I think it was a great film, and I don't oh understand all the hate for it. It's really, <laughs> It's so brilliant. All the fanboys who were like, oh, but the Mandarin. I'm like, all right, Whatever. well, like, yay for them not doing racial stereotypes. I know. Like, sorry. Yeah, are you sad about that? I know. And it was just a great subversion of everything, and the dialogue was so great. I'm just such a great big Shane Black fan, so. Same. I'm so excited for his new movie. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Okay, but before we get distracted. Okay, so 2016, big year, I guess, since, biggest year since 2012 when Man of Steel and Iron Man 3. 2013. Yeah, 2013. I'm sorry. 2012 was when Dark Knight Rises came out, so I, that, that, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. I'm mixing everything up, but, um, they're coming back with Batman v Superman, which is the second film in the Snyderverse DCEU. They're, they're the DC Extended Universe. That's what they're called. Yes. Um, and the MCU with Captain America Civil War. Um, I think. Can we talk about the release dates for a second? Yes. I love it. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so Captain America. Or Marvel set up their release dates a long time ago for each of their films, mm-hmm. and they've been shifting them back and forth. But one of the ones that they they firmly put put their foot down on was uh, the Civil War release date, and. Uh, Batman versus Superman decided they were going to have that same release date. And for a while there, it was going to be, you know, which one is going to back down first and which one is going to change their title, their uh, release date. And it turned out to be uh, DC t- w- decided to push back their, um, or push forward their, their release date to March. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get our first big superhero blockbuster movie that's going to, you know, break all the records probably in March, which um, I think we don't really get that until at least April. Mm-hmm. Um, but we used to not get that until May. Yeah. So everything is... And we're, we're also, on a side note, we're going to get Deadpool in February. So we're just going to have like this, these major superhero movies coming out yes. every this month. This is why but, I was disappointed that Daredevil Season 2 didn't air on March 25th. I'm like so bummed that it's not going up against Batman v Superman. Oh my yeah. gosh. That was going to be so good. I don't think it'll like 
to drive people away from the theaters, but that would be hilarious. No, but, like, so everyone was talking about that. They were like, why would it matter if it came out? It's Netflix versus a movie. Like, they're not going to affect each other. And I was like, Daredevil might not affect the box office of Batman v Superman, but if it did come out that Friday, what it would have done would split the conversation over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Therefore, Batman v Superman wouldn't have the spotlight all to itself. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, why I wanted them to open against each other, and now they're not. <laughs> yeah, because people are, people binge watch movie the Daredevil show all throughout the weekend, whereas you only see a movie twice, mm-hmm. um, or not twice, uh, for two hours um, on that weekend. So people will be talking much more about Daredevil than they would Batman versus Superman. Agreed. Probably. Uh, or not. I don't know. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, yeah, I, I think you can tell by the tone of our conversation, we're not that excited about Batman v Superman. We're probably all going to go see it. Um, I'm honestly a huge DC fangirl, and Batman is my favorite superhero because it includes, you know, the whole Bat family. But I am not excited about Batman v Superman because that's the thing for me. With does not look good. Batman v Superman is that the only thing that's getting me really excited is the potential of Jason Todd. Mm-hmm. Like, and but I'm equally excited and terrified depending on what they do with him. him up. Because, like, Jason Todd is, like, I love him so much. Yeah. And that's, like, the only thing that I'm excited about. And, like, that's the thing. Is I don't really like Batman, but I love the Bat Kids. Yes. The Bat and they Batman. haven't explored them enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is that great news that Ben Affleck could be working on a Batman solo film that would focus on the Bat family. Which Have would you... be amazing. Yes. Also, let's end that stupid rumor that Jared Leto's Joker is Jason Todd. It's the stupidest rumor. I hate it so We're much. Stop if, that right if, now. If that ever it's came true, as, I would cry. It's just as bad as Luke Skywalker turning to the dark side. Yeah, it is. It's yes, not worse. So stupid. It's terrible. It is Kylo Ren is Luke Skywalker or something. It's so bad. <laughs> but yeah, I just that made me Superman. I'm just every time I see it, it looks like a parody. It doesn't yeah. look like a good movie. It just seems like they're trying to. I mean, like the whole fact that this universe is based off of Man of Steel as the foundation is like a really shaky foundation as it is because Man of Steel the more I get away from it the worse the movie becomes because it was was a big disappointment to begin with but it was just like it was just not a good movie it was completely trying to emulate a better film which was you know Dark Knight um, and like Christopher Nolan's whole aesthetic but it was doing it in a much more shallower way so and they made some very questionable, I will say, wrong decisions about Superman's character. Yeah. They completely mischaracterize Superman, I will And, say. like, they... the thing is, and now I'm getting that in Batman v Superman clips, where Superman just seems so mean and callous. I mean, if you look at the New 52, they made Superman kind of into a jerk. I call him Turtleneck Superman, because whenever you see him with a turtleneck, he's a giant fat boy jerk, and I really hate him. It's the worst, because <laughs> I love Superman. I know, and just, like, I mean, the problem with Superman is that he's so good, and he's so powerful, that a lot of writers don't know how to characterize him, but because like you know, it's hard to write conflict into a story with a character who can basically do anything. But you, the, the thing you do is you make him like ha- struggle with like moral um, questions or with you know uh, how to fix things or how to approach people as this sort of godlike character. Um, one of my favorite characterizations of Superman is that he sees himself as human, but everyone else sees him as a god. And he doesn't yeah. realize that. And um, I just, I don't like this whole trend towards making Superman grittier and more like Batman. Because he's not Batman. That's the thing. They are supposed to uh, be foils to each other. That's what makes their friendship so great. Which is also why I hate 
this movie because they're friends. They're best friends, and they should be fighting. Yeah, and the other thing is that, like, I'm really tired of the idea that no nobility and, like, goodness is somehow boring. Yeah. Like, Superman is not boring. He can be written badly and maybe written in a boring way, but, like, being inherently good doesn't make someone boring. Yeah. And, and that's obviously... the whole, and I, I think the shakiest thing about Man of Steel, characterizing him, started actually with Pa Kent. Yeah. Their mischaracterization yeah. of Pa Kent Ugh, and the way he shit. taught Superman and taught, like, Clark as a boy yeah. is kind of what created this character that I'm not too fond of. Like, the whole, the beauty of the Christopher Reeve film with his relationship with Pa Kent is that when Pa Kent dies, he dies of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And Superman learns for the first time that he can't save everyone. There are some things that he has no control over. Mm-hmm. And in Man of Steel, he could have saved him in a second. It was so stupid, the reason that like, he died. What are we supposed to think of this, like, this hero that lets his father die? Mm-hmm. For what? Like, what, what, is, what is the moral lesson behind letting your father die when you can save him? There is none. There is no. There is none, and so yep. this is the this is that's what you were saying. Ht is that like founding this universe on Man of Steel is a very shaky start. Yeah, I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm saying the whole thing with the DC universe right now, since they're so behind Marvel in terms of just like years, uh-huh. is that they're trying to speed things up very fast. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't know if they can do it. I mean, I hope they can. Yeah. I love both DC and Marvel. I want them both to do well. Agreed. But right now, I don't have the faith of the past in DC that I have in Marvel. No. Agreed. Um, I was going to say something. Sorry, tangent. Sorry. No, it's okay. No, I, I completely agree with you. I forgot what I was going to say, but now I agree with you. Um, I really liked how Marvel did their lead-up mm-hmm. of, of basing it off of Iron Man, and then Thor, then Captain America, mm-hmm. and Iron Man 2 was in, there, in between there, too. Um, but they set, they they set up their three main superheroes, and then they and then while also setting up the other characters who are going to sh- show up in the Avengers, and then then after Captain America the first Avenger, the next year they had this great lead up to the Avengers where it was like all three movies and all three or four movies, and then you had the Avengers, and it turned into this great big spectacle, mm-hmm. and uh and then they proceeded to do individual movies after that and then it's almost like the avengers is a, is a, is like a period on each phase uh and i really like how they're doing that whereas with dc they they're doing man of steel and then batman versus superman dawn of justice which is supposed to be a weird prequel to the justice league but also a sequel to man of steel and then you've got the wonder woman prequel the uh uh you have justice. You have justice. I think you have justice league coming. You have justice league coming out before Aquaman, mm-hmm. and I think before. before I think before the Flash. Yeah. yeah so you have speed movies, up Justice League. But Justice League is a two-parter, like yeah. the, like Infinity War, I think. But that's so weird because then you have their in like do their individual movies are they going to be prequels and origin stories or are they going to be post Justice League like we're just going to throw you into the deep end. It's strange. I mean, I, like, I think... the thing is, I I think DC could have pulled off doing Justice League earlier, like, doing it first, because everyone, that all the characters, all the heroes are so iconic already, you don't need to do an introduction film with each one. Exactly, and it would Marvel's also, not like, as... 
yeah, it would stop any comparisons to Marvel's strategy as well. So it just like seems their strategy is like a weird compromise that doesn't work out either way. Yeah, and because Marvel yeah. wasn't like as well wanna... known when the Marvel Sorry, universe started. Anya, you go first. Oh, I was I just wanted to say that Marvel wasn't as well known, so I think they had to do origin stories. Mm-hmm. Like people yeah. didn't know the origin of Iron Man or Captain America or Thor as much as they knew like. Batman and Superman. And, like, even if you don't know Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman's origin stories, like, you know them. Yeah. Whereas exactly. I feel like Marvel was less... People knew them and loved them, but they were less iconic. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um... Willoughby, go ahead. Let's go, um... Let's swing from Batman v Superman and talk about its rival, Captain America Civil War, <sighs> which I know we're all excited for, because... You know, Marvel built the foundations really well for this film, even though I know Anya isn't a fan of superheroes fighting each other. I think that the emotional core of this film is is good. It's going to be a good reason that they're fighting. Whereas Do- for Batman v Superman, we don't know why they're fighting. It's just because like they can fight. But that's the that's the big difference is that we have friends who are fighting each other yeah. after years of being friends. Mm-hmm. Whereas with DC, you have Batman and Superman initially fighting and then becoming friends yeah. assume, assuming that they're friends in Justice League. Mm-hmm. So we have to somehow go from we're bitter rivals in DC to where in Marvel they're like we were friends mm-hmm. and now they're not. Oh, like, or something. Yeah. I know some people have been saying like well they weren't really friends because they've been bickering for a long time before. But like that's like but the they were professional friends. Yeah they were professional friends. They are co-workers. I, see I hmm, I don't know. I don't buy Tony and Steve, like, deep friendship. Yeah. Like, I, I buy, like, we have seen battle together, and, like, we have a bond now, and so, like, it is really hard to, like, pit myself against you, but I don't see an emotional friendship. At least not one we that, also... at least not one that we have been given in canon in the movies. Like, so... we have, if we are being told, like, oh, yeah, they're friends, well, you're telling me, not showing me. Exactly. So I think there is some weakness there, but I think there is enough backstory that it's still going to be emotionally sound. I think if they um, center around Bucky, (sighs) that would make it much stronger. I think, which I think they're going to do. Hold on, I just need to, like, cry for a minute. Okay. (laughs) It's okay. But um, the whole, Uh. I think from, like, seeing the last trailer and then my theory is that they're going to have their fight be around Bucky, in which, you know, Steve is trying to find his friend, Bucky, who has been brainwashed by uh, Hydra and is kind of a lost, basically, POW who doesn't really know what to do with his life and has been has been responsible for a lot of murders over the years and potentially Tony Stark's parents. Um, so I think... Yeah, I wonder if they're going to bring that up. Yeah, so I think if they hone in on that concept and, like, then that would be a really strong emotional point to kind of fight over. Which I think they will. Yeah, which is why I'm really hopeful for, like, this film, and I'm excited for it. Same. I also think that the uh, the line where Tony starts says, you know, I was your friend, or we were friends, or something, I don't know how serious he was when he says that. Mm. Um, he could be kind of maybe either not joking, because he doesn't ha- have that j- joking Or manipulating, tone. Steve. He could be manip- manip- yeah, like manipulating Steve, like saying, like, oh, well, we were friends. And then Steve will be like, we were never friends. Come I mean, on. if you think about it, Tony doesn't have a lot of friends, so he could no. probably consider Steve friends yeah, based on Tony's his experience. Weird, weird yeah. psychology there. Tony, to, yeah, how Tony perceives friends yeah. is could be different how then 
Cap sees friends yeah. because we know how Cap treats his friends, and he, you know he treats Tony pretty well when they're getting along with each other. Um, and in Winter Soldier, you know he 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 trusts Natasha after a certain point in Winter Soldier. Um, and he's trusted Bucky since you know the 1940s, since the 1930s. 30s. So, and and he and he and he kept Sam, like he uh, he made immediate friends with Sam Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not difficult for Cap to be friends with people. It's more difficult for Tony to be friends with people. So I think that when Tony has a friend, you know, betrayal is something that comes that doesn't come lightly. He probably, you know, I mean, I think, he got betrayed so, by Obadiah Stane, who was, he considered a lifelong friend, too, so that was, yeah. he probably has a lot of abandonment issues. I mean, and his dad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and his dad. <laughs> yeah, his, his dad was never close. Yeah. Um, but I agree, I think that, I think, honestly, this movie has to have be, has to have Bucky be the emotional center, mm-hmm. and I do not say that entirely as a Bucky fan, although I am biased, I, because okay, I yes. love Bucky Barnes, um, <laughs> but, the whole thing for me about this movie and why I was nervous about it before that trailer came out was because it's called Captain America 3 Civil War, not Avengers Civil War. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Winter Soldier set up such a brilliant story with such a strong emotional core. And to not have that pay off because they're shoving every single Avenger in this film would be so... It'd be irresponsible storytelling, I almost mm-hmm. feel like. No, I agree. They have to pay off Steve's storyline. This is, like, at the end of the day, this is a Captain America film. Yeah. Steve, it has to be Steve's story. The trailer really comes across that uh, that point. Exactly. That it does seem like a Captain America film with every... Because, like, in Winter Soldier, his kind of surrounding... The surrounding characters were S.H.I.E.L.D., and now the surrounding characters are the Avengers because there's no shield. Spoiler alert for the past two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's his family now. Yeah, that's like that's his, his family team. now. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that there would be Avengers characters in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's a Captain. It, but it's going to be emotionally centered around Cap and Bucky, which I really. I mean, I'm really excited. Yeah, for. I'm happy. Even though like there is the whole ideological argument of registration and regulation versus uh, own self. Um, regulating superheroes, which is a fascinating argument, even though it wasn't pulled off really well in the comics. I know Anya didn't like that. Yeah. Um, I think that having that overlie the um, whole Bucky, Steve, and Tony um, triangle is is good. I think it's a good combination. Well, it's Hopefully also they can balance it off. Yeah, and the, the registration thing you mentioned is interesting because it's actually the opposites of what Steve and Tony have done in their past. Like, exactly. Steve has always been like, he's a soldier. He follows orders. Like, he trusted his government, um, and it's when he saw that his government wasn't completely trustworthy that now he's on the side of anti-registration. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tony has been pretty much unregulated his entire life. Yeah, and he was... And amazing. now he's yeah. on the side of registration. So it's interesting how they grew up and how their paths have kind of led them to be opposites. Yeah, but they developed that well exactly. in the movies, which is why it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, like, you you see in Iron Man two where he goes uh, goes in front of Congress and basically says you can't have my suit, and now it seems like he's going to be either an agent for the government to bring in Steve, or he's acting on his own to bring in Steve in the government. Mm-hmm. Um, which I just find you know it's a great character arc that he, they've gone through from Iron Man one to Age of Ultron, where uh, after ult- the events of Ultron, it seems to to be that he's like I messed up. I don't want to. 
we need we need some sort of regulation here. Like this is not good. Mm-hmm. And whereas Steve is just like you know this isn't freedom. This is fear. To quote uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I think we're all looking forward to this. Yes. Um, Very and then much. In so. August is we have yeah this Suicide fall we have Squad. the weird movies. Yeah. We have Suicide Squad for DC, and then in November we have Doctor Strange for Marvel. Um, we have a bunch of oh, and we have. Oh, no, that's it for 2016. There's a bunch of other Fox and Sony movies, too, but we won't really touch on those. Um, So what do you guys think of Suicide Squad and Doctor Strange? Are you... I mean, I think we talked enough about Suicide Squad. We talked about Suicide Squad. Yeah. So um, those two movies, I feel like, yeah, are kind of the wild card movies for both DC and Marvel. They're both kind of not putting all their expectations on it, but... um, they're still kind of riding on those films as being somewhat successful because August is a big time for um, sleeper hits in the summer. And then November, um, where they're putting Doctor Strange for Marvel, is also like a big uh, superhero movie time too. I think... I I feel I'm... I don't know how I feel about Doctor Strange yet. Um, I think the casting of Benedict Cumberbatch is a larger... Is an indication of one of the larger problems that Marvel has that DC kind of doesn't, which is diversity. Mm. They could have cast someone not white as Doctor Strange. Everyone was saying, you know, um, Pedro Pascal was a big name that was being tossed around. I saw someone say Oscar Isaac, which would have been Oscar Isaac. I've seen Naveen Andrews, you know, Mm -hmm. someone not white. And then they went with a white man. Yeah. At least it wasn't a white guy named Chris. I mean,. There, um, and it, it's it's part. It's a larger problem that Marvel has that I, I think we should get into in a little bit. But oh, agreed. In terms of just Doctor Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch isn't a bad actor, so like I think he can do it. I think his casting was just kind of like boring and not as exciting as it could have been. I wasn't as angry about Benedict Cumberbatch's act, um, casting as a bunch of other people were. I was just kind of ambivalent. I'm like, yeah, I guess he's okay. I wasn't really that into his hype when he first blew up with Sherlock, and then I kind of didn't really care about his fall either when people were like, why is Benedict Cumberbatch everywhere? Yeah, but, he's just um, kind of I was more I was more upset about the casting of the supporting characters, because um, specifically Tilda Swinton as the ancient one. I am a big fan of Tilda Swinton, and I usually am a fan of her being cast in a, in a role that gender bends the role. But at the same time, it's it was originally a... Um, an Asian man, like a Chinese man, um, and they're gender bending it with uh, and race bending it with Tilda Swinton. And for a movie that is half set in Tibet slash a mystical land that looks somewhat like Tibet, the movie is astonishingly white, and I'm not a fan of that. And like they they just cast one the first Asian role for the film, uh, Wong, mm-hmm. who is Benedict Cumberbatch's oh sorry Doctor Strange's manservant. <laughs> so I think that they could have done much better with the casting for like the supporting roles like and the ones that are set better relative to Asia because there's so many great Asian actors. I'm always talking about like casting Asian actors and stuff like that, but I think that it needs to be said. Especially like you could you could gender bend the ancient one with an Asian actress like yeah. Gong Li or even Lucy Liu. She can be great cast in anything honestly yeah she's um, perfect yes so i am mostly upset about that because i really hate that whole white savior concept of yeah. like white guy coming in to an asian culture and suddenly being better at, at it than everyone else is 
the yeah, and, thing, yeah. Yeah, and no, I completely yeah, agree. I am... The other thing about this movie is that my favorite actress was cast in it. Mm-hmm. Rachel McAdams. Um, so I have this weird now, like, I love her, and I want her to do well, and I'm excited she's in the Marvel Universe. And so I'm excited to see her... But the way they talked about her character does not leave me hopeful, because they basically talked about her as only being an extension of Strange. Yeah, she sounds very much like... And not really being her own character. Yeah. She seems very much like, you know, the struggling supporter of the man, basically. And I think that people were talking about her being another iteration of Night Nurse, which, you know, I'm a huge fan of Rosario Dawson's Night Nurse, um, Claire Temple, and I think she should honestly jump over to the movies and that also brings some much new diversity to Doctor Strange I wanted I wanted Rachel McAdams to be Clea um, personally I don't know who she is is she who, a goddess of some sort yeah she's she's part of like the dark dimension mm-hmm. um and if I remember correctly I'm trying to remember um I think she was also at one point was she married to Doctor Strange I think so She's, she's the daughter of Umar and the niece of Dormammu, who's, like, the big, demonic, scary person in the Dark Dimension. Mm-hmm. So, like, she has all these mystical, like, powers herself, mm-hmm. which would be really cool because... She would be an equal. Yeah. And, okay, yes. So she... I just looked it up. So she did marry Strange, um, but I believe at some point they separated or, like something happened. So it would have been really interesting, because if they still wanted her to be a romantic interest, Clea is. Mm-hmm. But, like, with this added element of, like, we were married, but now we're separated, and it's an interesting relationship. Because um, they could be exes. I don't know. But she would also have mystical powers. But mm-hmm. instead, they make her this human who's, I think, a doctor who works with him, and she's, like, his tie to the human world, and, like... Whatever. Right? It sounds so, like, boring. <laughs> Oh, I I want Rachel McAdams to get a good. So role. disappointed. They could have done something really interesting. Yeah. Um, and also, Lots of they're it, totally lying and like yeah. she's actually like Claire or something. <laughs> that would be amazing. Please. <laughs> um. So yeah, it would be interesting also how they play the they um bring in magic into the Marvel universe because previously in Thor they kind of said that magic and science are the same thing, but in Doctor Strange it's very obviously magic and not any other type of Yeah, and we can talk about this more in our second part, which is going to be TV, but they are introducing an element of Doctor Strange in the current season of Agent Carter. Right, yes. Yes. So, which is what's called Zero Matter in Agent Carter. Right, Um, okay. And it's like a, it's not like an explicit tie, like they're not going to like bring up Strange in any way, I don't think, but it's still like, look, mysticism has been here all along and Mm -hmm. yeah, that sort of thing. You can tell us more about that, Anya, in the second part of our podcast. Yes. Um, I think that can wrap up our live-action film part of the um, two-part episode. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to add? Did we want uh, to talk no, about really. the diversity? Um, yeah, I mean, well, let's talk a little bit about that, actually. Yeah, sure. Um, I think we should. Yeah. So, so it's a problem. Yes, especially <laughs> with Marvel. Especially with Marvel. They have a tendency of casting their leads as, you know, white men. uh, Named Chris. And then sometimes they change up their supporting roles with, you know, Idris Elba as a traditionally white um, Norse god. But, like, 
they aren't very good at having diversity in their main in their lead crowd, which is a problem that people have been bringing up every now and then, especially with Black Widow not having a solo film. And the fact that Captain Marvel has been pushed back twice. Yes. And the facts with the and like the whole campaign to have Iron Fist be an Asian lead, which I will bring up again. Yeah. <laughs> well and it's just it's frustrating because like Marvel clearly has a formula down. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think all their films work as well as other films. Um, Thor The Dark World, I don't think, worked very well. Mm-hmm. Um, ex- there are some films that they've had missteps with. But they have a formula down. Unfortunately, this formula, for some reason, does not seem to include diversity, mm-hmm. which I don't really get. Um, like, we're getting Captain Marvel, but again, been pushed back. We're getting Black Panther, but it's been forever. And they're pushing them back for another Spider-Man movie, in which Spider-Man is another... No, Teenage. actually, Black Panther, Black Panther got pushed forward. Oh, okay, that's good. Then. Yeah. Yeah, Black Panther got pushed forward, Captain Marvel got pushed back. Okay. But Captain but Marvel still. It's just, it's frustrating, because, like, Marvel has the formula down, and they give us really good films. DC, so far, has not given us great films, but DC is doing a Wonder Woman film directed by a female. They have a Polynesian actor playing Aquaman. They're doing sense. They're doing Cyborg in the Justice League. Mm-hmm. who is a disabled black man. Like, yeah. they have diversity. Yeah. And, and it's, I think... Yeah. Oh, and I think the casting of Jason Momoa was, like, as Aquaman, was really great um, decision that no one really expected. Because, you know, Aquaman are, has traditionally been a blonde uh, white guy, and then they cast a Pol- Polynesian dude for Aquaman, which was really proactive of them. And I was really excited about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, so Jason so. Momoa is a great actor. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to add about DC versus Marvel, a um, little bit of a tangent from the diversity, but uh, Anya, you were talking about kind of Marvel's formula and how they've gotten that down pat. Um, I think that's their greatest strength, but also their greatest weakness. Because Agreed. we see like this formula that works with every film, and... I think the most the two movies that were most problematic of that formula were Age of Ultron and Ant-Man because you see like that kind of studio and executive control uh, take over like the director's vision. Whereas for DC, I know that they're giving the directors more control, but they don't have like a figurehead at the top to control like what the vision it is. It should be end. Jeff Johns. Yeah. Because Jeff Johns is brilliant, and I love him. It could be a giant mess, but it could also be really interesting, which is what I think DC could have going for it. It's a double-edged sword, because on the one hand, like, you have to respect Marvel's resilience in being cohesive and, like, sticking to the vision that they have. On the other hand, it can make it bland sometimes. Yeah, like, Ant-Man could have been so much more interesting with Edgar Wright at the helm, but instead they kind of made it, you know, a typical Marvel film. And then Age of Ultron, Joss Whedon had a more interesting vision, which we never got to see because we had to build in a lot of more foreshadowing for future films. And, like, you know, it's fine. The the formula works, and they have, like, small differentiations between each genre, which is what makes each film interesting. If that film works as both, like, a different genre film, like Captain America Civil... uh, uh, sorry, yeah. Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier was a spy thriller it, as a Marvel film, which that works. But like you know, if it doesn't, then it just falls really flat. Um, so we'll see. I think Suicide Squad could be 
DC's answer to that because they give complete control to David Ayer and they give complete control to Zack Snyder whether we want it or not but yeah that might be the unfortunate one yeah it's a good chance for directors to just kind of spread their wings and get complete creative control which is why I think Marvel tends to get the young directors who haven't done anything big yet and thus don't will concede a lot of creative, creative control to the studio so it'll be an interesting fight between the two of them yeah, it's it's frustrating almost because one of them has one thing going for them and the other one has the other thing going for them, and then they fail on other fronts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I honestly think that both of them should make compromises in both directions. And Agreed. That would give us good entertainment either way, but at the same time, I can see why they want to differentiate themselves from each other. Yeah. So we'll see. All, All right. right. I think that will wrap up our the first part of our DC Marvel podcast. Uh, please join us next week when we talk about live-action TV and the direct-to-DVD films that some of Marvel and DC have been putting out. Um, well, before we end our show, Willoughby, uh, where can they find us on social media? They can find us at Falcon Podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can search for us on Facebook as The Millennial Falcon. Um, we're also We also have a blog called the Millennial Falcon Podcast at WordPress.com. And you can subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Okay. Um, where can they find you? They, they can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. And they can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And I am at HTranBui on Twitter. Okay. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.